Welcome to the Review Name Podcast. I am, as always, Jordan. With me this week, we have Sam. Hello. And Chris. Yeah. And this is another happy hour installment of the podcast. So for those of you playing along at home, it's going to be a little bit faster, a little bit looser. And um, feel free to pretend that you're not usually drinking during this podcast and go ahead and start now. Um, Let's get weird. So we're going we're gonna to talk about <laughs> a lot of different things on the show tonight. Uh, big news in entertainment criticism, big news in television. Uh, and big summer blockbuster. So stick with us throughout the hour. We're going to talk about a lot of things. Uh, Chris will probably do something weird. Sam will certainly do something weird. And I will probably follow suit. So why don't we get started? Um, Sam, why don't I kick things over to you and let's talk about uh, the big news in criticism this week. Or well, really the last week and a half, I guess. I can, I can assure you that the weirdest thing I will do is eat my pizza while trying to podcast. That um, is weird. But we haven't had a podcast with you... Um, eating a meal or cooking a meal in a while, so this is a special occasion for the happy hour. Sam, yes. are, Sam are you sure that's wise? After last time? After the accident? <laughs> we don't talk about that, Chris. <laughs> you made me talk very, about it. They have very good prosthetics now. So. You forced my the hand. time that Sam ate Chris during the podcast? Is that what... It was really impressive. See, we, uh, we I immediately got weird. I think we are less than two minutes in and we're doing something strange. I told you, yep. this is how the Happy Hour podcast works. This is we have we cannibalism do. on the mind, which I guess we'll get to at some yeah, point. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Spoiler alert. Um, so I guess, I guess I'll, I'll host this segment on... Yeah, I'm um, kicking it to you. I, I have explicitly told you to go ahead and, and bring us into this one. I guess right, over the bit. last couple of weeks, and really it's been over the last couple of months because some people have left the site kind of even earlier than the last few weeks. Yes. Um, but there's kind of been an exodus out of uh, the AV Club, which is a beloved site for, I know for us, and I'm sure a lot of uh, I imagine kind of pop culture. I imagine our podcast con. probably reads, or, or at least is vaguely familiar with. If you are not vaguely familiar with the AV Club, and if you don't read it, you should probably check it out. Uh, because if you're listening to our podcast, and if you read our website, they do what we do as professionals. So it was pretty nice. Uh, continue, Sam. Yeah, they do what we do, except way better. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, basically, just about every established writer they have, beyond a few, I think a few suck around. Oh, um, basically their entire film staff. Their entire film staff is gone. Um, but even some people who I don't think were specifically filmed, like uh, Genevieve Kosky left. Um, but the big names that have left over the last weeks and months... Nathan Rabin, Scott Tobias, Keith Phipps, Tasha Robinson, Noel Murray, I think, is also Noel Murray's not officially fully gone, but he said he will be writing less. Um, and the word is that they're leaving to start another Chicago-based film-type site, which is the good news in all of this. But it's also the kind of end of an era uh, for AV Club, which is really kind of built on the shoulders of Nathan Rabin and Keith Phipps. I think for the most part they're the two big... Well, yeah, Two big and, I mean, Scott Tobias as the film editor has definitely been, you know, building their film criticism for quite some time. So, I mean, those three alone uh, I, sort of titans of my personal pop culture outlook. I mean, I, I read all of their stuff fairly religiously. Um, so to have all three of them leave the website in the last few months has been a big deal. Tasha Robinson as well. Uh, you know, we sort of have mixed views on her, I think. Um, but she's definitely a big deal. Um, and so... Watching, watching a, a pop culture website that we all read quite a lot of, and that I would say is maybe my primary pop culture uh, touchstone, uh, has, been, has been sad and interesting, and I guess 
sort of we'll wait and see on how well it turns out with the new project. Well, just like earlier today, I kind of I, I go to AV Club basically instinctually. It's just one of the websites I always frequent, and there's always new good content on there. Um, and I was reading one of the classic Simpsons reviews, which is what Nathan Rabins did. And then I like was reading the review, and I'm like, hold on, it is it, Rabins not doing this. And then I wrote, you know, I saw it was Todd uh, Vanderwerf who is still there, and who is probably the main reason I'm going to keep going back. I think. Yeah, to he, I mean, he is. I think he is my go-to TV critic. I don't know if he's necessarily always my absolute favorite, but his his criticism is uh, actually no. I'll say it. I think he is my favorite TV critic on a, on a week-to-week basis. Um, so I'll I'll keep going for him definitely. Well, yeah, but it basically, it was just it was weird that it was um, he was doing The Simpsons and not Raven, who who I felt like had a very deep connection to The Simpsons and had written about it in. Um, and other things for the ABB Club and his book. Um, so it was weird. It's like a weird transition. It feels weird as a reader, but I'm sure, you know, Well, I, hopefully the next thing they go to works out. But uh, I'm, I'm obviously going to read wherever they all land, and I, uh, you know, I don't want to just dismiss the AV Club, which is such, like, again, such a uh, pop culture totem for me, just because, you know, several of my favorite writers left, so I'm hoping that it lands on its feet, and hopefully it'll introduce me to some new film writers that I end up enjoying. Um, it's too early to tell on the new film editor, A.A. Dowd. Um, I've read a couple of his stuff. I don't know. Um, we'll talk about one of his reviews probably later in the show. But we'll see how he ends up being. But I'm sure they will be hiring a lot of new film writers, and maybe some of them will be new great film writers. So that could be exciting. Changing of the guard. Yes, definitely an end of an era. Um, definitely looking to see where all of those writers land. Chris, any big thoughts on this? Uh, just... I think you guys covered it pretty well. Uh, I think you guys have been reading the AV Club longer than I have. Um, I I think only recently started going there regularly within the past year. Um, So I'm not, I think, as attached to specific writers as you guys are, but uh, I definitely believe that the level of quality I expect from that site is tied to certain people who've been there for a while. So I think I'll be looking to check out this new site that they're developing. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think... Uh, wherever any of them lands, and I've been reading, Scott Tobias has been writing for NPR in, in the past few weeks since he's left AV Club, and I've been reading all of his stuff there. And I think, like, the, most of the writers who left, in fact, possibly all of them, uh, I, I follow enough that I will be following them wherever they land, but hopefully they'll all uh, sort of get the band back together and end up at a new site. That would be cool. Um, and we'll, we'll be looking out for that, and... For those of you who don't read AV Club and haven't followed them, um, I'm sure we'll mention it if the new site is launched, uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, why don't we shift gears a bit and talk about, I think there are two big TV things we wanted to hit on tonight. Why don't we start, Chris, with you and Netflix's newest original series, Hemlock Grove. Okay. Uh, I Hemlock Grove is either their second or third original content series from Netflix. I heard there was something before... There was something before House of Cards yeah. that I can't recall off the top of my head. It was called... Um, it was with uh, Steve Van Sant. It was called... Uh... Shit, I can't remember. But it was like a mobster who's sent to Norway or something. Yeah, I remember the show. I don't remember what it was called. Okay. But it's it's still in the early phase of their rollout of, of original sure. content. Um, I started watching it. I, I think I finished the whole thing in like a weekend. Um, I, I liked the first 
few episodes, I, I thought it was problematic, but enjoyable. Maybe not quite as much as I... Like, I, I, I am approaching this from someone who very much enjoyed House of Cards, but also still wasn't enthralled by it. I thought there were some problems there, but I, I found it very enjoyable to watch. Um, I, had, yeah, I, think, I think House of Cards was a solid BB plus show. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. I will definitely watch next season. Yeah, so I I really liked the the early the first couple episodes of Hemlock Grove, and I know a bunch of people will disagree with me on even that account because I, I think it's been universally kind of reviled by critics. But uh, I haven't I, read anything good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I I definitely saw potential in the first couple episodes. It there was definitely there was very much a Twin Peaks vibe there, and the one thing I kind of liked about it was um, the the mystery that they the show was centered around. Uh, at first, you didn't really. It, it wasn't clear whether there was something supernatural going on, or if it was um, more science fiction based. They kind of kept you in the dark there. There was definitely very strange things going on in the town of Hemlock Grove, and I, I kind of liked the mystery of: is this caused by the supernatural, or is it just this like weird sci-fi laboratory that's in the middle of town that's at the root of all these strange things? That sounds happen. like sounds like the question behind uh, Lost. Yeah, exactly. I definitely got a very lost esque vibe from the first couple episodes. And having been a bit... Chris just wants to say it's like Twin Peaks because he knows that's my kryptonite, and I'll probably watch it now. Um, just but you know what? But remember, like Happy Town and the Killing. I, and remember I mean, how I watched every single episode of yeah. Happy Town? You watched every episode. Of, how many episodes? I watched the first episode of Happy Town, and I'm like, yeah, this is. Probably I reviewed Happy Town for a few weeks for the site. It was it was a really bad television show that didn't get any better. <laughs> I always say, like, maybe the pilot's bad, maybe it'll get better. You um, certainly didn't watch every episode of The Killing, which is definitely trying to I watched, take on some... I watched the first season of The Killing and then went, you know what? No. I watched the... the but you I, never found out who killed Rosie Larson. I, I actually watched all of The Killing, and that's a different conversation for a different time. Um, um, I, I watched coming the back, entire guys. first season of Desperate Housewives because I read a review saying it was Twin Peaks-like. Well, it, there there is definitely a very Twin Peaks vibe, because you have a town where everything's a little off, there are definitely strange characters around this town that everybody kind of knows and accepts and it's all based around the murder of a young girl at least from the start um so in that sense it is twin peaks-esque but i think you could call a lot of things twin peaks-esque if you're gauging yeah and i waste a lot of television hours on that exact comparison well don't don't waste them on hemlock grove because i i I, as i said i like those first couple episodes i like the dynamic between the two male leads um are they have a a, a fun dynamic with each other. There's sort of a fun buddy cop outcast dynamic that they have with each other that I enjoyed. Um, but after the first three episodes, it became apparent really, really fast that the problems with the show weren't just opening uh, episode jitters and that um, they they weren't interested in really revealing any of these mysteries that they were setting up. And even, uh, I mean, I'm the biggest Battlestar Galactica fan in the world. And even two Battlestar Galactica alumni being on this show couldn't save it from its massive, massive problems that just kept getting worse as the show went on. I, I mean, I, I was really enjoying it around episode three, and I think I was even recommending it to you, Jordan. But then, yeah, you were you you. That was one of the fastest one eighties I've ever seen. Is I think it was literally yeah, maybe like maybe like thirty six hours. You're like, yeah, this show's pretty good. Like, it's not perfect, but I mean, it's an early, it's early early going. You should probably check it out. And then, like a day and a half later, you were like, "Never." Yeah, no, I. It, I mean, it was it was bad in the middle. It was terrible at the end, and then that last episode um, was just it just made me viscerally angry. To be honest with you, having watched it, I mean, the show has some serious serious problems, both in terms of, uh, well, in terms of pacing, in terms of character development. Like the characters are so poorly drawn. Uh, I think it's 
outrightly misogynistic at times and um just like the first 12 episodes are spent on the murder mystery and then the last episode tries to wrap up all the other mini mysteries that they have going on as well as set up a second season that's based on a book that hasn't been written yet so the show the show is a mess it's a train wreck if you haven't watched it yet please don't because i don't like even though i was i have actually watched the whole thing through but I, it, just, it just came to a point where I just had to see just, like, how bad it could get. I, well, I know that's, like, a bad... if you're invested enough, like, I mean, especially if the entire season's in front of you, and I think that's something Netflix has going for it, right? Like, you've already, if once you've watched four or five episodes of a 13-episode run, you're just like, you know what, whatever. Like, it's right here in front of me over yeah. the next few days. I can kick this out, no problem. I also, how did you I, watch it, Chris? Did you watch it, like, was it one day where you were just like, this is my day, I'm going to be watching this shitty show? Not, Did you watch it over weeks? It was, days? it was a weekend. It was a weekend. Like it was basically just killing time before I had to go different places during the weekend, and then just on Sunday while I was doing laundry and stuff like that, I just had it on the background because at that point I had lost a lot of my investment in it. But I just wanted to see if it could kind of turn around towards the end, and if any of the reveals made sense. And they didn't. It just kept getting worse until the end, which was just a new low for an already rock bottom. I would call it. Uh, episode 12 episode 13 just took dropped the floor out from under everything um, that's unfortunate yeah I, I so, think um, I think by the end of the season every female character was dead sorry for the spoilers but I don't really care because I don't I can't <laughs> encourage you watching it anyway um, yeah yeah that, I mean it doesn't like just based on the visceral reaction that you had from like you know like when you when you finish finals, uh, go check this out, to, like, never, ever go near it. It was, like, sort of was enough to put me off, I think. Yeah. And, and I, I think, and Jordan, you've been saying, the twin, even with the Twin Peaks comparison, which usually, like, I watched Happy Town. Yeah. Jordan, I mean, you have so much TV to catch up on with anyway, you probably don't need a middling to horrible show to... No, I yeah. think that's, that's the thing, is, like, I'm, I'm in the middle of so much right now, and especially, um, so I'm, I'm leaving Michigan in a few days when I finish finals. I realized that that means that I'm leaving my DVR behind, and the last few weeks uh, during finals, I've been not watching television because I've been doing other things, aka sitting in the library. Um, so I realized that I have to like power through everything on my DVR in the next like seven two hours, and then especially in the forty eight hours after I finish finals. Um, so that's going to be interesting. But most of that is sitcom stuff. I have to watch a lot of things that are not that I have saved up uh when i get home so we'll see about that did you watch uh did you watch yesterday's doctor who yes that doc for doctor who is my study break every saturday because nice yeah it just that usually ends up working out i uh, i don't know if you guys will agree with this but like sometimes i think it's it's interesting to watch a bad show just sort of like from a perspective of like to see where things went wrong i don't even think the show is like that to be honest with you it's just so bad well, I think, I mean, sometimes that can make sense. Like, sometimes I think there could be kind of, like, interesting fuck-ups with television shows. But yeah. ultimately, you know, you spend an hour a week, and then when you're done with, you know, if it's a network show, if you're done with a season, that's literally a day of your life. That's 24 hours. I mean, it it has to be really interesting at the very least, if it's bad, to devote that much time again yeah. because yeah, here we there's... are watching what season i know we bring this up on the podcast all the time but the like fourth bad season of how i met your mother in a row all right but that's different because i think because how i met your mother i think one has the ending i think is something that's interesting and i'm i'm interested in how they handle 
Yeah, I, th- I think the show, even though it's bad, and also the show was good for so like not so long now. I feel like it's been bad longer than it's been good, but uh, the show was so good at the beginning yeah, that it, no, it kind I, of I it it made what's happening now a little bit more interesting. But I see what you're saying. We are sticking with it and hating it all the way. And I didn't but for like me, this week's episode either. But for I me, that is that. This week's for me, that it is that show. It is that kind of show where it's like um, I I. I I don't, I'm not really enjoying myself most of the time, but I, I'm still semi-interested in what's going on just to see how much further it can go off the rails and why and how it's going off the rails. Whereas something like Hemlock Grove was just utterly well, I think, repugnant. I think as, as like people who are clearly interested in criticism being as we you know write pop culture criticism and do a podcast roughly every week on that, um, I think as much as we obviously prefer and enjoy great television and great film, oftentimes watching really like really bad or like you know somewhat bad films and television it's interesting just from a perspective of like why do we like at first of all i think it helps us realize what like what great films do well i also think that it uh it's, it's beneficial in terms of like how did this go so so badly awry yeah i mean and sometimes like uh we talked about uh, for the movie club recently the killer inside me um like i don't feel like that was like a great movie to watch for my like help you know to help me as a critic or like yeah to analyze as a terrible movie i feel like it was just really bad in pretty much every way the what went wrong was just so apparent with that right and i think from what you said of hemlock grove is sort of the same thing it definitely is it's definitely that same in that exact same vein and maybe it was interesting for a little while and that's i think why you were so excited about it at the beginning because i've watched plenty of shows that are like this this is an okay show in, in episode two and three but it might get great like for example glee i think glee is a perfect example I watched the entire first season of that show because I thought the pilot was excellent. The few episodes following the pilot were okay, and some of them got it really right and some of them got it really wrong, and I figured, well, the show's going to figure itself out, and if it does, it'll be really interesting. And I think for about a season there, it was interesting television that was mostly bad. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. I think, I think we all loved the pilot. The end of the season. Hmm? I think we all loved the Glee pilot. Oh, we all loved the Glee pilot, and I yeah. think, Sam, you watched it with me the whole first season, right? Uh, yeah, I think we watched the first season, and the second season... We were just, I think we dropped it then. Or at I least dropped, I dropped I it. Even, I, I actually don't even think I ever saw the finale of the first season. I, I wrote about the first season except the finale. And at the end of the penultimate episode, I wrote like, you know, I'm going to finish the season just for like the purpose of finishing reviewing it. And I think I sat down to watch it and I was like, you know what? No, I can't do this to myself anymore. So I think I watched like all but the last episode or maybe I watched the last episode and just didn't write about it. But I watched that and then I was like, never again, please. Because I... I feel like some of the stuff, I don't know, maybe it was first season and I'm just misremembering it, but like, I think the stuff like introducing like Sue Sylvester's sister who has Down syndrome and I think like the resolving of the like fake pregnancy thing, was that those all were, the first season? Both first season. Then maybe I just did watch first season. I could have sworn I Well, I know that. I didn't watch maybe. the second season and I know about both of those things. Uh, especially and I, I feel like I probably wouldn't have likely watched it without you. Yeah, well, and I was, uh, like... Because we were pretty much on the same page with that show. I, yeah, I think at the beginning we thought, like, um, that there were three writers that were writing the show, like, three showrunners. One of them really got it, one of them sort of got it, one of them didn't. And I think Ryan Murphy was the one that didn't, and he ended up winning the day. Well, he well, yeah, he won that battle. So by the halfway point of the season, it was Ryan Murphy's show, and that was the one I thought was the least interesting. And it was still, like, for a while, it was still like, well, this is, like, so bad that it's kind of, like, interesting to write about and figure out, like, why it's going so wrong. But that only works for so long, I think. And it's still on the air. Is I mean, in, in some sense, Ryan Murphy won out. Anyone 
he won. I think his show had the best ratings. And well, and also, I mean, he was he did that talk before, but he's done Glee, and now he's expanded to the new normal and American Horror Story. So like Ryan Murphy is one. <laughs> like he's oh. he's doing a lot of things in television and uh, a lot of, from what I hear, various train wrecks. Um, I've heard I've heard American Horror Story is actually good for the same reasons uh, Glee was good at the beginning in terms of it's so interesting the way that it like is tone deaf and wrong. But I don't know if that's enough to kind of watch it. Yeah, I could maybe do one season of American Horror Story, but uh, I actually watched a couple of episodes of second season out of order, and uh, was just really turned off by it. It it, it sort of like took an uh, everything and the kitchen sink approach to horror, and just like let's just throw everything we possibly can in here, and some of it will be scary because there's just so much. Whereas I feel it's just, like I feel like that's a show where like. If I had a weekend in October and I was like, oh, I want something like Halloween-y, but I don't want to do anything all day, like maybe I would watch that show and see like if it did anything that I thought was at all interesting. Although, like, well, we people, we are we are going to be doing horror month, right? Yeah, we're definitely going to do a horror month this yeah. October. Cool. Uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll we'll tie uh, American Horror Story. I think I think the idea that we've been tossing around was doing uh, like basing it in film, but why not do a little uh, television in there as well? Yeah. Um, so, you guys can all look out for that in like, I don't know, six months, five months. Whenever October um, falls, it's always different. <laughs> mark your calendars. Yeah, mark, <laughs> mark your calendars for October. Circle it's, it. It's in right orange. there between September and November. Make a pumpkin on your it's calendar. It's the best month. It's my birthday month. Yes, it is. And it's in fall, the best season. Uh, We're doing another spinoff uh, podcast. Sam talks about the seasons. Sam talks about the seasons would be a good podcast. Also, Sam's birthday podcast. <laughs> do we do we not agree on this? Fall's the best. Winter used to be the best when you were a little kid. Now it's the worst. I, I think we can agree winter is the worst. I I am a California boy, so this winter in Michigan. You you have no season, so you have no way of knowing. This winter in Michigan, which lasted until like a week ago, was winter's coming. It was like snowing and like thirty degrees like a week and a half ago in Michigan, and I that is unacceptable to me. Yeah, winter used to be so cool. I mean, you you, you lost days of school. You got to play in the snow because you didn't have to go to school. It was great. I mean, Christmas time, Hanukkah time. I didn't have winter until college, so I, but then, I didn't know that. But yes. then you grow up, and then your your priorities change to mostly gorging on food <laughs> and not being too hot or being too cold. So that's why you like fall because it has Thanksgiving. The best movies start coming out. Yeah, fall is a pretty good month or season. Haha, <laughs> Jordan said the wrong thing. Also, like, I don't have seasons in California, and soon I'll be back there full time, and no seasons ever. Yay! Always. Yes, I was. I was joking about the seasons podcast thing. That was. <laughs> it's a happy hour podcast, Chris. We can talk about seasons if we want. I can talk about whatever the fuck I want. You're not the boss of me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um. But ultimately, yeah, I think I also haven't explored uh, American Horror Story because I already know I don't like Ryan Murphy's brand of terrible. So unless he's doing something very different and terrible, uh, I don't know how interesting I'll find it. Because, like, I- I've seen enough Glee to know, like, I hate what he's doing, but I know what he's doing, too. So I well, like I, was, I think was... in a way that Glee almost became, I, I mean, I, I, this is coming from a complete outsider's perspective, but there was definitely a vision to that pilot. That was very different than what Glee become. To me, Glee just became a money factory. In, I mean, at least for a little while when it was popular. It became a very formulaic show 
that didn't really have to achieve to be successful. I mean, like we complain about it and how terrible it was, but people were watching that thing for a while. People I mean, I don't think they still I mean, are. It's but. not as popular now, but people still watch it and yeah. still enjoy it. Um, years after, like I, I don't know what season of the show we're on. I would, I think, I guess it's like four now, right? Something like that. Yeah. Well, you figure we wrote about Glee on the site, and the site started in 2009. But Glee started in the fall of 2009, so yes, this would be season four. I, I think it's it's sort of the same reason that people that American Idol is still as popular as it is. Like it might not be compelling television, but there is always a segment of viewership that just likes to watch people sing and is always going to tune in regardless of like how right. good. Right, and and if you don't care about writing is. your character development, you're gonna you're gonna watch and enjoy Glee. Yeah, and like, I think my parents watch Glee. I think they still watch Glee, and mostly I think they watch Glee for the singing. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think anyone really watches Glee for. I mean, I'm I'm sure like they like, follow the romantic subplots or whatever, like, on a marginal level, but I'm sure everyone who turns it, turns into Glee tunes into it for the singing. Yes. Um, I agree with that. Uh, so, Hemlock Grove is a pass. <laughs> uh, we, that sums it up nicely. We, we really... <laughs> you wrap that segment up in a nice bow right there. At some point, we will probably talk about... I don't know, maybe we'll talk and about... On, and on another note, fall... <laughs> maybe we'll talk about American Horror Story during Horror Month in October. Maybe we will not. Um, that is to be determined. For now, I want to talk about another show that I think fits in the horror mold and that we were going to talk about this evening. Um, Sam, do you, want to, do you want to take this one or do you want me to take it? I can take it. I don't care. I can handle, <laughs> I can handle the load. Just grab I that baton, fall. I talked about fall for 10 minutes. Right. I feel like that's... I feel like if we had a podcast when we we're really, really old men, we would still be talking about the seasons just for more of the podcast. Yeah, it would, like if if the, if the reviewing podcast lasts for like fifty more years, it's going to be like happy hour podcast will be like we have a glass of sherry and we talk about the seasons, the seasons, yeah. and how much we hate the tattoos of the youth these days. <laughs> they won't even be tattoos anymore. It'll be like. Holograms. Holograms. Three-dimensional heroin box. Yeah, tattoos are too mainstream. The fact that tattoos are being accepted in the mainstream now means that when we're, you know, middle-aged or older, there's going to be some crazy fucking thing that all the young kids are doing, and we're going to be like, this is not right. I know our parents said this thing was weird. Yeah, it's like, the the way it always works is we're going to age it, and we're going to age to the point where, like, we don't understand the youth culture anymore, and they're going to be doing something that we think is fucking insane, and then we're going to be like, get off my lawn, heroin yeah, box. The kids are going to be like, Dad, all the kids at school are like exposing their bones. Guys, <laughs> like, we, can't, guys. we can't do that. Guys, and we're not going like, to have No, lawns. kids, you can't expose your bones. We're not going to have lawns. Come on. Get off my space lawn. <laughs> it's going to be a hologram lawn. <laughs> I like the idea of space lawn. Like, I'm just floating up in space, but I have like a, a white picket lawn. fence around a certain area. <laughs> and the dog can run free there. I like the dog. idea of a, of, of a hologram lawn that we actually like mow, like we ride around on a lawn, <laughs> which makes it seem like the most pointless task. Anyway, what were we talking about? Hannibal. Yes, the <laughs> horror show. My segue got lost in us talking about space lawns. <laughs> space this, lawns. This, this podcast is hashtag space lawn. I want to see this. I was going to say, if we have to name this podcast, we should name it space lawn. Space I, I, will, lawn. I will mention space lawn in the summary. I will hashtag space lawn when I tweet it from the Twitter account. Which, by the way, I'll plug now is at Review Be Named, and you can feel free to follow us there. Um, Sam, or not. Talk about Hannibal. Um, well, Hannibal, for one, it's, I think, been a great surprise. I kind of didn't have a... I mean, I didn't know it was Brian Fuller going in, but I also thought, oh, they're taking a beloved film character and making a television show around him, and it's on NBC, 
That sounds horrible. Right. Like but the to assumption our, I think going in for yeah. all of us, before we knew Fuller was involved especially, was that's going to be awful. But to our surprise, it's actually really, really fantastic. Incredibly gory and incredibly fantastic. Um, but I think what we want to talk about is, I think it was two weeks ago now yeah, that Brian Four aired on Thursday. And, no, episode six aired on Thursday, and they pulled episode four. Um, yeah. So yes. Um, they pulled episode four, and they eventually released it in parts online, but kind of cut up. Um, but uh, Brian Fuller said that he was doing it out of sensitivity, following. Not, I mean, this this happened after the bombing in Boston, but he said he was pulling it out of sensitivity more towards, I think, Sandy Hook. the uh, yeah, the Sandy Hook uh, shootings because in the episode there are kids killing other kids because they're brainwashed by an insane Molly Shannon who wants to make them all her children. And so they go back to their old parents' houses and kill their families, basically. Um, um, did you see the episode? I did. Yeah, I, I saw the, the I full found, episode. Uh, through less than legal sources, the original cut of the episode without any of NBC's splicing. Uh, so. And first of all, I found it to be the absolutely the least graphic uh, episode of Hannibal It is Hannibal yeah, easily today. the least gory episode of the show so far. Um, the, epi- the episode... Just so you have an idea, this episode is people being shot in the head. The episode after it has people sliced up so it looks like they have wings, like, like angels. Their back is sliced and the skin is pulled out so that it looks like they have wings. Which is totally fine after a tragedy. That that still but, does not haunt me as much as the mushrooms. I don't think anything will get to me as much as those mushrooms. Oh god, the people who are like mushroom farms? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, that was insane. And that yeah. they were kept alive too is triply insane anyway it's a very um, classic know- show um but also like i think surprisingly uh emotionally canny it's it's really really fantastic and i feel like it it shouldn't be on nbc one because how on earth nbc like I, i'm still shocked that of the stuff they show on hannibal and that they can show on network and I always, I always joke like, oh my God, that person is like, they're growing mushrooms inside of their decaying body. But make sure you don't show a nipple. Because a nipple, yeah. that would be <laughs> the like, most horrific, terrible saw, thing. You saw like inside a human body when the back had been pulled away to make wings, but no nipples. Yeah. Welcome or you America. see like, or they have like young girls who are mounted on, on antlers, like yeah. pierced through their right. body. And, and it's, it's like, totally well, cool that they're like mounted on antlers and their like organs have been taken out but you better not show them naked. Yeah, because that's the worst thing on earth. Anyway, hey, come on, we got standards here. It's America. That's my... Yeah. I, feel like, I, I feel like Hannibal's a show that probably deserves to be... really should be on cable. But anyway, that's... I mean, I, we can talk about that in a little bit. It's six episodes in now, if you've watched the, the like hidden pulled episode. And <laughs> already, I think, in contention to be my favorite network drama. Like... There's not a whole lot of competition. Maybe, yeah, but it's I mean, like, there isn't a ton of competition. Hmm? You're right, there isn't a ton of competition, but I think it might be mine, too. But, I mean, like, I, I love The Good Wife, and I've loved The Good Wife for years, and it's been my, my default favorite network drama for, you know, probably about since it started. Um, but I think that Hannibal will give it a run for its money, especially if the show gets a second season. Which we can all hope, but assume will not happen. Yeah. Cautiously pessimistic. Ca- yeah, uh, it's a Brian <laughs> Fuller show, so, like, what, one of them has gotten a second season? What did get, did Pushing, Pushing Daisies get a second, second season? season? And it got the chance to wrap itself up, which is nice. 
Well, this definitely will not. So. Well, Brian Fuller anyway. has announced that, there, that he has a seven-season arc for this show. So. It, and I'm sure that will come to fruition in our... Look, in it, our, it, 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 we all know NBC has nothing going for it right now. And this show, like, the ratings are not great, but I think the critical uh, response is the best for an NBC drama in probably, like, a decade. Can you think of anything that's been as well-regarded from NBC since, like, The West Wing was on? No, definitely not drama-wise. NBC has sort of been just sort of like a go-to place for comedy for a while, and everything else has been which, coming out. It's like reality which shows is interesting. and order. It's interesting because, uh, you know, after you spend time with your friends at Scranton and on Parks and Recreation, turn it on over to Hannibal. Right, like, you get... <laughs> for you get, network television's most graphic show. You get Parks and Recreation, which I guess it's been airing in the 830s lot, so not exactly, but, like, you get, like, probably the... The most the low stakes happiest show on television, and then like an hour later, it's serial killers and like you know horrible graphic things and deeply emotionally traumatizing. Oh yeah, which is the I feel like it's the perfect lead up. <laughs> I can lose, but uh, I just anyway, I just feel so I, good after uh, Parks and Recreation. I just need, I just need to feel bad for a while. I need to feel really exactly really awful. I'm gonna take you down a notch. NBC can't leave <laughs> you feeling good, so. Um, but what I really wanted to talk about was I wanted to know what you guys think about Brian Fuller's decision. And I think he insists that it was his decision, though I wouldn't be surprised if it was secretly partially network decision to uh, pull the episode following everything, all the horrible things that have happened this year. Chris, um, go ahead, Chris. Um, I, I have to admit, I'm actually a couple episodes behind right now. Oh, you suck. I know. Well, you don't. You you don't need to have seen the episode to know that it sure. was pulled. Um, I mean, if it really was his decision, which I think is debatable and one of those things that we can never really be sure of, and I I think even he can he can just scream himself hoarse, and I don't think we'd we'd ever still believe completely that it was totally in his decision. I I can I can sympathize just just the idea of like. I don't think you ever want to just throw tragedy back in people's faces. I think especially when you're a content creator, especially when you have like people watching your work. I don't think you, I I don't think anybody ever really wants to like offend people, especially people who have experienced horrific things. So I I think it's kind of, I think, I think it's kind of a tough line to watch to to walk when, when you're, when you are somebody who is creating stuff that's like, like watched by lots and lots of people. I could see that. I could see not being comfortable with it material that might hit a little too close to home or things that were like oddly like coincidental to real life events. Um, but that being said, I mean, we live in an age where I don't think, I, I think you can have your cake and eat it too. Whereas like, I don't know why the episode couldn't have just been released online in its full form and just not aired on network television. So like, so like you give the viewer the chance to opt in. Sort of well, thing. eventually, like... uh, the, the way I watched it was iTunes released the full episode online for money, which is problematic. I mean, they get they yeah. get paid. They got my three dollars. I wish uh, I had known that before I, I watched it the way that I watched it, which was again less legal. <laughs> subtitles. I mean, I mean, I, 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 my ideal solution to this whole sort of thing, like it, again, if it was the creator's choice and not the network's choice, when it's the network's choice, I get a little more antsy. I get like question, bigger questions of censorship kind of come into it. Um, but like, I, I think like a Hulu release, like a Hulu exclusive or an NBC website exclusive sort of release would have been more to my liking of a solution that could have 
kept every the show the momentum of the show going and not really like missed a beat. Sure. Um, Jordan, your yeah, turn. Yeah, uh, I'll go ahead. Uh, I I tend to think um, in the way that we watch TV now uh, that like I think you you hit it a little bit, Chris, but like. Most people watch DVR or they, you know, they watch things a few weeks behind or they watch online. Um, so I feel like people are much more opting into television than, than they used to be. I mean, even 10 years ago, like if something aired on TV and it was after something else you watched, there was a decent chance you were going to watch it, whether you cared about Hannibal or not. So you can get people who are watching, what is it, that 16, is the 1600 Penn still even a television show? Whatever's on at 930 on NBC. I have no I don't, idea. I mean, I, I don't know if it's been canceled, but it definitely hasn't been airing recently, I don't think. I haven't seen promos so for it. whatever aired, I think The Office was an hour this week, so that probably aired before. It was, yeah. I don't watch The Office anymore, but... Um, so you, like, mean, you mean NBC's answer to Modern Family is gone? That was the stupidest advertising campaign. Yeah, NBC is... Uh, well, was, what, not, is, there, is really there a more though. modern family than the Oval Office, the, present, <laughs> the House of the President? It's more modern than the White House. <laughs> <laughs> there aren't any houses that are more modern. Anyway, <laughs> um, anyway I think that, that, that people opt into entertainment much more now. Ten years ago, if this was the same schedule, people who watch The Office would go like, whatever, I'll leave the TV on, and then be, you know, I guess in the network eyes, horribly traumatized by what they saw. Now I think, like, people know what's on, or they watch what they want to watch uh, much more. Uh, I also think, I read, uh, I, I think it was an Entertainment Weekly article, um, by a writer who said, like, and I'll, I'll try to avoid spoilers for you, Chris, because you're a few weeks behind, uh, and for any of you... You, you can before. spoil me, it's fine. I'm going to watch them anyway. Okay, listeners, well, then I will spoil right now. But the writer pointed out that the episode that preempted this uh, episode, the, it, it, so they pulled the episode of Molly Shannon and the kids, and the episode that, that preempted it, the fifth episode, actually revealed that a character was suffering terminal cancer. And the writer said, like, my wife is suffering the exact same type of terminal cancer. So for me, like... If I was going to be worried about, you know, trauma, like if the, if the network was going to be worried about trauma, like more people suffered this type of terminal cancer than had relatives involved in Sandy Hook or any of the recent mass tragedies. So, like, maybe if we're talking about being sensitive, they didn't pull it off all that well. But even he says, like, I think that's silly. We are, we're being too overly sensitive. I chose to watch the episode of Hannibal. I watched it with my wife. Neither of us was deeply traumatized by it. Uh, and we thought actually did a good job of depicting what we went through. So my reaction is, on the one hand, I don't know how much TV traumatizes us, and if it does, I think people people who have recently been involved in tragedy are probably smart enough and on their game enough to say, I'm not going to watch the Hannibal. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's that kind of parlays nicely into my what I was going to say. If you're, no, if go you're ahead, done. go ahead. But I, um, <laughs> are you done yet? Prattling <laughs> um, on like I always do. <laughs> I mean, I... I, I respect that Brian Fuller wants to kind of look out for the sensitivity of the show. And it is a difficult show to watch anyway, but I find like it's almost handholding in the worst way. It's treating us like children. Like we, like we wouldn't be able to look away. I feel like, like you said, Jordan, you know, if, if, you know, the recent events would, you know, are still affecting you that much, that's fine. That's Okay. But that doesn't mean we have to pull the show off the air for you because it's almost saying, like, you're going to be out of control and not be able to not watch it. It's almost like saying, I, I feel like people who, who who don't think they can deal with a show about gruesome murders. And, the, I mean, the show's been on long enough, and the show's called Hannibal. 
Everybody knows who Hannibal Lecter is. I, I mean, literally the show's been almost on all of my friends here um, who like good television and, and, you know, generally are pop culture people are like, that show's not for me. And, like, I completely understand why someone wouldn't want to watch Hannibal. And you know what? If, if, you, if you're in a place where that, that type of thing is going to upset you, it's okay not to watch. I mean, that's, and that's a choice you can make. And you can take however long you want to watch it or you can never watch it. That's fine. But I don't like Brian Fuller or the network saying, you can't handle this. We're in a place where you're not able to handle it. And I feel like that's kind of unfair to the viewers. I think it kind of speaks down to any emotional maturity of the viewer or emotional immaturity of the viewer. Um, and I also think at the very least they could have done what, what Chris said is maybe at least make it available completely online. What they released was kind of key points in the episode for the, for the arc of the season without all the other stuff that happened in the episode. Um, so I, I feel like, I feel like it was unnecessary and I, I wish that, and you know, this, this happens all the time after tragedies, networks, rearrange programming or pull shows, pull episodes out of syndication. Um, and other networks did all of these things. This is by no means just NBC. Uh, no, no, we're talking about Hannibal for particular reasons. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I, I, I wish we were just given more credit to be able to make the, the emotional choice of, can I, can I handle this or can I not handle this? I, I agree. And I'm actually thinking of a big counterpoint right now, um, which brings up an example of, I think, something that could easily be done to correct my situation. I remember uh, right after 9-11, one of the first new television shows that aired after 9-11 was The West Wing, which came back with a special post-9-11 episode. Uh, as opposed to like being preempted for controversial things, they actually brought in a new, brought, brought, like, produced a new episode of television about the tragedy, uh, or at least you know obliquely about the tragedy. And the opening had the cast saying, "Listen, like this is going to be about 9/11. If you're suffering, if you're still in trouble, if you don't want to watch the episode, we'll be back next week with you know the season premiere." And I feel like it would have been very easy if if they were really worried about like people. Uh, accidentally watching the show and becoming traumatized. It'd be really easy to have Hugh Dancy, Mads Mikkelsen, whoever, come out and say, hey, like, this week's episode... Of <laughs> I don't think you want Mads Mikkelsen going like, hello. <laughs> if you... No, that, that is most definitely a job for Lawrence Fishburne, if ever there was one. Sure. Lawrence Fishburne yeah. comes out and says, hey, this week on Hannibal, we've got some stuff involving kids. If you were involved in Sandy Hook, if you think, like, this is all catchy, don't watch this week's episode. We'll be back next week with some back wings. Yeah, with people flayed open. But, like, which also, is... Hannibal I... will be like that every week. It's never not going to be a show with violence. That's that, Well, that's, I mean, that's the key difference between, and also The West Wing is a, is a very unique example in that it's a, it's a show largely about politics. So, of course, it's going to, you're going to be able to parlay that into an episode pretty seamlessly. Um, and Hannibal is largely a show about violence and about butchering people. I mean... The show clearly goes to great lengths to really show you shit. I mean, they don't turn the camera away when they could. They show people getting cut and bleeding out. But that's that's what the type of show it is. And if it's going to be that show, fine. And if you don't want to watch that show, fine. Yeah. But I don't like that. I don't like that there needs to be someone holding our hands and saying, you can't handle this. You don't get to watch. You're, I mean... We're grown-ups, and if you're a child, you shouldn't be watching, you shouldn't be watching that television, and that's, the parents should not let that kid children. watch. So, any parents listening to this, 
who I hope are not listening to this random program because I'm sure we've said some horrible things. Um, maybe don't let your kids watch Hannibal. But, but I think I think what the show does really well is is get into the minds of uh, or really get into the mind of a, of a person whose job it is to track these people down and a person who has to get into the minds of some very dark people and see the effect that all of this darkness and all of this gore has. It's, it's a show that I think, like, a lot of television shows in the last ten years have been incredibly violent and gory. It's sort of a, a niche of television that I've kind of not ever been a part of, but that I understand exists. Like, The Following, for example, um, which I've seen a few episodes of, which seems basically like mindless gore for gore's sake. And what I love about Hannibal is that it is completely not that. Um, it's, it's, it's a show about the long-term effects of being exposed to things like this, about, like, the psychological turmoil of having to try to stop this, this mindless gore and evil. And I think that's what's great about the show. Yeah, it's 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 not mindless. It's not just it's, it's not just there to be and there. I don't think I it's think. violence for violence's sake ever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But um, you know, if you're if you're listening to this and you missed the episode and you didn't watch either because you didn't know it was online or on iTunes, I suggest you check it out if you want to, or you cannot check it out, which is which is America. Yeah, which which is kind of what we're all <laughs> doing here in pop culture. Yeah, you can you can opt in, you can opt out. It's a great television show, but it is also a television show that I would recommend only with a lot of reservations to people who don't mind some extreme violence. Yeah. Um. So I think I think we can kind of wrap up Hannibal, which uh, is great. And if you don't mind extreme violence, you should check out, including the episode that was pulled. Um. And we can move on. I think Chris, why don't we toss over to you? I know I'm not hosting a lot of things tonight, but I'll. Uh, I'll keep uh, moderating here. And why don't we talk about uh, what I think is officially the opening of summer blockbuster season. Yes, and uh, that, of course, is Iron Man 3, which I I saw this weekend. And I I really, really enjoyed. I mean, I I think it's always hard for the third installment of a trilogy to uh, measure up, to not go off the rails, and to maybe even wrap things up in a satisfactory way, even though the, the story will still continue. But the, in, in a sense, I, I also felt that Iron Man 3 was a nice um, possible send-off to Downey Jr. Because, I mean, I, I think it's of no surprise that it's it's very unlikely that he's going to keep playing the character beyond Avengers 2. So if this is indeed the last solo Iron Man fi- film featuring Robert Downey Jr., I think this was a nice send-off to him. And I know, Jordan, you haven't seen it, but Sam, you have. So uh, yeah. let me just start by saying I really, really enjoyed it. I don't really have a lot of quibbles or flaws I found with the movie. And, I mean, you guys, um, uh, I'll, I'll say you can feel free to spoil. I will see it next weekend sure. once I'm done with finals, but I'm not sensitive. You can feel free to spoil. And okay. that spoiler warning will go for you. So if you haven't seen Iron Man, pause the podcast, go check it out, and then come back and listen to the rest. Okay, so Sam, what do you think about it on the whole? Um, I definitely enjoyed it also. I think I, I did have some some problems with it. Um, but I, I would definitely recommend seeing it. It was definitely better than Iron Man 2, which I uh, really didn't like. Um, I'm not sure if it's better than Iron Man 1. Um, I think Iron Man 1 kind of has the magic of, you know, learning that Robert Downey Jr. is this guy and he can play this character so well. I mean, I don't think you're going to be able to beat that experience the first time you see Iron Man 1 and you go... Because, I mean, Iron Man was kind of a slight character in the marvel universe you can guys can correct me if i'm wrong i know he had a cartoon show but he was not one of the the big headline uh superheroes and robert downey jr i think no no please finish 
Well, I was going to just say that Robert Downey Jr. I think has made him probably the most popular of all the Avenger uh, heroes. I, I definitely will agree with what you're saying. I, I, Iron Man definitely started out with in a place of more prominence, but you had sort of this effect where around the 90s, um, the biggest thing going in comics, and especially Marvel comics, was X-Men and Spider-Man, and the Avengers kind of started, the Avengers and the Fantastic Four both, which started off very much on equal footing with those other two franchises, kind of drifted a little bit more to the periphery. But I definitely think you can credit Robert Downey Jr. with bringing Iron Man fully back to the forefront as a viable and very extremely popular character to a degree of popularity he hadn't enjoyed in, I think, ten to twenty years. Well, and I think I think that Robert Downey Jr. was a good impetus for Marvel to make the character likable again because he'd been doing yeah. some pretty dark stuff in the comics uh, in the years right before uh, Iron Man, and as soon as Iron Man came out, you had Matt Fraction starting his run and sort of taking the character back in a lighter, more fun direction. Yeah. Yeah, and, and kind of go ahead. Well, I I think what this movie did a really good job was of I mean you're never gonna fully recapture that magic you were talking about, Sam. But I think they it, this movie coming out right after Avengers and existing in the same universe kind of allowed them to recapture some of that magic in a way of like first like the first movie is all about Tony Stark like building the suit and becoming a superhero. And then I think Iron Man 3 was all about him realizing just how weak he really is compared to this like whole big universe that's opening up around him. And I think that really um, gave the character much more direction than he had in Iron Man 2, which was ostensibly... I, I thought Iron Man 2 was enjoyable, but sort of a very directionless, lower-stakes sequel than I think Iron Man 3 was, where I think we were dealing with some much more interesting things of Tony Stark realizing he lives in a world of gods and aliens and... He's really just this soft, fleshy thing in the suit that he builds and maybe and becomes obsessed with building the suit better, which I thought was really kind of interesting and a much stronger direction and much stronger things to explore than Iron Man 2 was. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I liked all that, too. I liked, um, you know, it kind of just kind of hit the, the check marks for me. I thought it was, you know, good action and Robert Downey Jr. is still Robert Downey Jr., um, some things I didn't really like so much. I didn't like the kid. There's a kid who helps him out, and it's cute. Is it short round? Um, it's not short round. So that's. I mean, it's um, it, it's cute, and, but he's... and Robert Robert Downey Jr. hooks him up with Verizon FiOS, which is very nice of him. Um, <laughs> which kind of got like a, a slight sigh in the audience when we saw that. Um, but uh. I mean, I like I like those themes too. I thought I thought it was going to go a little bit darker than it ended up ended up doing. It's still kind of slight. It's it's. I I, I mean I, I just from trailers and I know trailers isn't much. I I made sure not to read any reviews before seeing it because I kind of wanted to be surprised by everything. Yeah. And just from trailers, it seemed like they were going to go in a much darker direction with it. And I feel like they were kind of starting that way, but it never really followed through. It, yeah. It, it was just kind of because, and it, I don't think it's, you know, the fault of Shane Black or, you know, whoever. I just, I, I think the problem is the thing about all these Marvel movies is they're all kind of the same. And I don't mean in terms of quality, but I mean in terms of you're going to get the same type of humor in them. You're going to get, they're all going to kind of look the same visually, their style. They all have to get you to the next Avengers movie. There's not a, a huge amount of difference and wiggle room to like really be different. 
um, and I, I was kind of disappointed that it didn't it didn't go it didn't go full on in another direction. It, it was still kind of just like oh, it's still an Iron Man movie. But ultimately, that was fine. I mean, I was still very entertained by it. I did like they they were touching on some of Tony's problems he's been having after the events of the Avengers, though I feel like part of it is kind of like a cheat created for this movie to have a problem because after Avengers, it's like, well, I'm all good. Let's, let's go get shawarma. And now, now he's having panic attacks. So I feel like it was kind of like pigeonholed in there. I, um, I, I I'll, was, I'll disagree with that. I mean, I, I think that like could easily be like, away is just like him covering up i mean i i think iron man 3 was just all about what i enjoyed about it was just like this is tony stark for the first time ever realizing that he's a small fish in a really big pond and so like of course he's never really gonna like i mean i guess you could make the argument against this with what happens in the tag but i mean he's this movie i think was all about him like trying to come to terms with a world where he's not like the most powerful guy in the room where he has to like contend with hulks and thors and space aliens. And, um, I, I, I definitely bought the panic attacks because it's not just because like he died as a result of these events. Uh, it's, it's also that his entire floor has just fallen out from under him. Like this thing is created, this incredible thing he's made suddenly doesn't really measure up anymore. Now and question, he's just, does he have to contend yeah. with any space lawns in the film? Um, it's implied I mean, it's, it's there, never like... There are implied space yeah, lines. There are definitely implied space lines. Excellent. That's all I need to know. Yeah. Um, this film gets two space lines up. Um, also, um, I feel like... Did you think... I felt like uh, the beginning of the movie... I think they kind of stole from The Incredibles. Unless it's just like a complete... Uh, superhero movie trope. But the uh, kind of the origin story of the big bad in this one. Um, yeah, I, I, I see those similarities now that you mention it. I didn't think of it in the moment, but now that you mention it, it, there definitely is those similarities though. But I mean, that, that's something that's showed up in a lot of Iron Man comics over the years is, I mean, that's sort of like, it, it, I think it is, it's like a big trope. Yeah. I think it's a big trope in superhero comics. But the first thing I thought of was, uh, Jason Lee in in the Incredibles, which is a great movie. Yeah, Um, it is. But I mean, I definitely, I definitely like this Iron Man. The thing is, it's just... I have trouble with with like these big changes that are happening with Tony Stark's character when you know he's going to come back as Iron Man yeah. for the Avengers. You know, he, it's 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 hard for me to accept change. It's like it's like if uh, you know at the end of one of the episodes of The Simpsons, Bart's like, "I'm not going to skateboard anymore." Yeah, it's like, of course you are. You're Bart Simpson. That's just who he is. So it it felt it feels kind of hollow and it feels. So, it yeah. definitely it, it definitely served the story for this movie. Um, so, so you saw that ending because I I thought that ending was I I didn't really know how to interpret it honestly when I saw it. So, but I, I definitely think that it one the most obvious interpretation of it is that like he is ostensibly saying he's retired, he's done being Iron Man, like he he's he's moving. Yeah, on I mean that's what sense. I that's yeah. what I took from it, and I'm like, okay, I mean that he he basically says all of this. Within the context of the the story of the movie, he is actually doing all this because he loves Pepper and uh, like he's hanging it up for her and he's genuine about it. But as a viewer, you go, well, no, he's not. I mean, maybe maybe the character's conscious is is conscious of that he's retiring, but 
we the viewer know that this is all bullshit yeah ultimately and that he's going to be iron man and i mean the end of the movie says tony stark will return and maybe they said tony stark instead of iron man because he won't come back as iron man but i can definitely see a case of the avengers where they all get back together and tony's there and they say tony you gotta put the suit back on and then he looks over at gwyneth paltrow and she's like it's okay yeah and then he does and he's like i'm here guys and you know like i feel like that's just what's gonna happen and well, it, and then the and then the point of this movie is kind of lost. I mean, I think the point of this movie because was Iron was, Man can hang with those guys. I, I think the point of this movie was it, it was the send off to Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark. I think this is for the people who look at these things as a little bit more removed from the other ones. I think this was the nice bow wrapped around the Iron Man story for like Robert Downey Jr.'s run on the character. I mean, see, I'm not so sure that this is going to be it for Robert Downey Jr. and the character. I mean, do you know if if this is definitively the final one or we just don't know or i i'm i i would be willing to bet he's not going to come back for another iron man film i mean i i, I think I mean, it's just like you can't i don't know that you can give him that proper send-off in avengers is what i'm trying to say right but you he will be i mean he's going to be back yeah, for the he's, avengers, yeah, I mean, he's oh, totally. signed for avengers yeah i mean and, and he absolutely will be iron man in avengers i just i just think that this was the purpose of this was to give robert downey jr his due for what he did with this character and for Marvel movies in general. And also it kind of was a very fitting ending to the movie. I felt like. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely feel like I'd be more affected by this ending if I felt it was a true ending. Yeah. Um, I just, I feel like it's, it's weird just because it's, you know, superhero movies are different than all other dramas in this regard and that, you know, the last Batman movie, you know, Batman's done. He he retires to South America or whatever the fuck he does. Yeah. And it's done. But you're like, but that's not that's not the end of Batman. I guess that, that was the end of Christian Bale's Batman. Right. I don't know. I never got the sense that Iron Man 3 was, this is the final chapter in Tony Stark. And we're going to see him again. So it's hard to take the retirement completely seriously. And maybe they'll do something in the Avengers where it's like, okay, this time. Yeah. This time we're done. But I have no idea what the plans are for the these Marvel movies and sure. the future of Iron Man. But yeah, I mean, either way, I don't. I don't want to make it sound like I didn't like the movie. I definitely liked the movie. Uh, I liked. I liked Guy Pierce. Guy uh, Pierce was I liked great. Ben, I, I liked Ben Kingsley, even though I think it was kind of interesting what they did with his character. Um, I liked it. It was kind of. A, I got. It, was, it was a good idea. I think it was a funny movie. Like I, I think there were definitely there was definitely a lot of laugh out loud moments. Uh, yeah, was, I, I definitely say it was funny too. Yeah, I especially liked when uh, uh, a, a character, an actor from a show Jordan and I are a big fan of, Adam Pally from Happy Endings, shows up for a pretty meaty scene, and I, I really enjoyed that. Um, and he he was the the guy in the camera truck, uh, Gary. Okay, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I, I I have really just a lot of really good things to say about, it. and I, I loved the final fight scene, the the with the house party protocol. I thought that was great and. Um, something that's been used a lot in recent years of Avengers comics, uh, brought to the big screen, and I thought a very, really visually striking way, um, and a really just very exciting finishing action set piece. Yeah, I thought the the action sequences were really good. Um, uh, I wasn't crazy about like the bad guys, just like that, like what their form was, like they were kind of like molten lava people. I don't yeah. know if this is if this is something from like the comics, but. I got I got a lot of a T two vibe out of it. Yeah, I, I can see that definitely. The they don't really ever explain it that well, and to be honest, they never really explain it in the comics. Jordan, the 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 
and for the hardcore comic fans listening here, the the villains of the movie ostensibly are using Extremis okay. as their. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's an Iron yeah. Man story. <laughs> yeah, um, but they, I mean, just like I, I never thought it was ever really explained that well in the comics, um, and they definitely don't really do as good a job. Well, so it's like it's like a either. like. Uh, I'm not even going to try to explain it. If you don't think it's been explained well, then me trying to explain it is going to sound like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'll just I'll leave villain it. I'll together leave it. could do it, so I don't really know how to even get started. It's it's a Warren Ellis idea, so it's it's a little dense, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it came, I agree with you, Sam, that it came across as a little simplistic in its execution. And its greatest crime, of course, is saving Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, <laughs> I I all right, I'm I liked I liked her in this movie. Well, Chris, you will never be on the podcast. You know what? Some, you know, you know, Chris. Can I just say what some people are gonna they're gonna take away from the ending of that movie is his girlfriend took away all of his cool toys. <laughs> you, I mean, you know that's gonna happen. I, I could, you could make that argument, I suppose, but I, I I'm not, I, I, I'm not gonna completely go away from the subjectivity of that ending. Maybe in that it was not that he's done being Iron Man, and that maybe he's now building a better Iron Man. Okay. He's building a better Tony Stark. Okay. Because really, you gotta you gotta work on yourself. <laughs> before you can love your Iron uh, Armor, you must love yourself. <laughs> I was gonna say, before you can love Iron Man, you must love man <laughs> <laughs> and Iron. Man, Iron. Iron Iron Man Four is gonna be Tony really getting uh getting in depth into Iron because he's he's learned to love himself, but now he he has to love the Iron. Uh, Guys, but yeah, I, w- I would I would definitely recommend this movie me too it, it was a lot of fun definitely two space lines up um i have to i have to get going guys so you guys can i think uh, i mean we're probably out yeah, of we're uh, okay. we, we've hit an hour we're wrapping up champ all right so we all have to get going but uh we will be back next week with um more remaining podcasts for now um chris, if you, chris jordan and sam will return chris jordan and sam will return yes, as in the next uh, as not iron man um, also make sure to stay after the credits of the podcast to see a little special surprise. yeah there's gonna be a tag um, but for now, um, those of you who are following along with the Reviewing a Movie Club, we'll be back next week and talking about Tiny Furniture. Um, for those of you who want to check out the website, ReviewMeName.com, you can email us at ReviewMeName at gmail.com. You can follow us at ReviewMeName on Twitter. And uh, we'll be back next week. So for now, have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.